7.33. Boeing's epic bad year, as described by Bloomberg, is coming to an end just before its unmanned space capsule Starliner's planned mission to drop off Christmas gifts at the International Space Station, but with the greater context of passenger flights to space. Uh, after that uh, was cut short, Boeing announced last week that starting from next month, the temporarily halt production of 737 MAX jetliners, the model involved in fatal crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia, claiming 346 lives. Richard Abulafia, Vice President and Aerospace Analyst with Teal Group, joins us on the line to further discuss. Good morning to you from Seoul. Uh, good evening from Washington, D.C. Nice to be here. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I suppose we should start with the news that's just come in in the last hour. That Boeing has ousted Chief Executive Dennis Mullenberg in a bid, apparently, according to the BBC's reporting, to restore confidence after those deadly crashes. As uh, we, we see the headline read, Boeing Chief Fired But 737 Concerns Persist. What's gone wrong with this Boeing Starliner? Well, the Starliner, um, I think, was a, a fairly straightforward issue um, compared to all the other many problems that confront the company. But it sounds like the flight control system misfired and uh, got into the wrong orbit and wasn't able to readjust given the fuel supply on board. Uh, the only upside, of course, is that there was nobody on the spaceship and uh, it was able to successfully return to Earth. So uh, compared with all of their other troubles, uh, the latest high-profile problem uh, is relatively minor. Okay. It's just bad PR after everything with the 737. Let's recap what went wrong with that model. Yeah, um, this appears to be uh, the subject of, well, understandably, the subject of a great deal of, uh, of debate, but the product itself, the jet, has been in production since the 1960s. It's been re-engined, re-winged, and redone in many different ways uh, since the 1960s, and uh, it's one of the most popular jets out there. It's, uh, about 10,000 have been built. Uh, but the latest model, Max, that came online back about three years ago, um, it is, uh, well, it's been hobbled by this one particular onboard system, the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, which is not essential for the jet. Um, and it's not really clear exactly how things went wrong, but the design and integration of this secondary system was very poor indeed. And it contributed, but was not the sole cause of, two fatal crashes. I'd like to continue with the 737 discussion, but just coming back to the, the, the broad problems facing the company, do you think if it hadn't been for the 737 issue, actually, um, it, it wouldn't have been an entirely negative story then around the Starliner? I mean, the fact that they were able to land it safely seems to be a big plus. Yes, that's right. And, you know, uh, space launches start <laughs> unmanned for this exact reason. You know, and, and you look at the problems that SpaceX and other high-profile new space companies have had, um, you know, it shows these sorts of things happen all the time. I, I, as you say, I don't really think we'd be paying much attention to it, except that it, it you know, fits into a broader narrative of a company that's having a very bad year and some serious technical execution problems with some high-profile products. So this um, decision to change things at the top, is that sufficient, do you think, to address the the problems? We've seen media outlets 
quoting a lot of the victims' family members of, of, of those who, who lost their lives in these 737 crashes. And, and understandably, they are in extreme grief and they've lost faith in Boeing. And I doubt they're ever going to, to say that this is a positive company. But, but looking at it in the cold light of, of where the company goes from here, is it going to be able to restore its reputation? You know, at the end of the day, there are just two jet makers out there, and uh, the barriers to entry in this business are very high. And, you know, if they're having issues with production or execution, and both of them at one point have had issues, um, it's there's no way for anyone else to come in because those entry barriers in terms of capital requirements, in terms of experience, in terms of uh, field support for existing jets are just way too high. So I think everyone is hoping that the company uh, is able to recover from this. And there are a few doubts that it will one day. It's just that the road there is going to be long, painful, expensive, and uh, of course, no consolation at all for the people who lost loved ones on the in these two tragedies. Of course, air safety is held, as I'm sure you're keenly aware, to a much higher standard uh, than other forms of transportation, land-based forms of transportation particularly. D- do you uh, feel that it's unfair in any way, that, that the level of scrutiny that Boeing has faced? Um, or do you, do you think that it has really got fundamental problems that uh, place its even strong position among only two major companies in its field at risk? You know, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect a very high standard of air safety, especially since the mistakes involved in the design and integration of this MCAS system appear to be kind of inexplicable um, and easily fixed, on the other hand. Um, And and I understand this emphasis. On the other hand, it's also important to note that the system, aside from these tragedies, is working just fine. You know, I mean, the FAA, for example, has taken a great deal of heat um, for its role in certifying the jet, perhaps without adequate oversight. But on the other hand, its primary responsibility is U.S. airspace. And over the last decade, there has been exactly one fatality with many, many, many hundreds of millions of miles and people flown. So it's a completely different standard. You you compare that with America's highways. Every day, almost a 737 full of people is killed on the nation's roads. We have a completely different scale of expectations, as as you say, for ground transport and air transport. Um, It's just that in this case, it should have worked better than it did. Right. I mean, when there's a sort of train crash or something of that nature as well, we, we don't even ever really hear about the models of trains involved. And it's almost always presumed to be some other fault, um, human error or or something wrong with the lines or something of that nature. As, as we say, planes, a different right. story. Uh, but they're going to have to get it right. What, what happens, do you think, with the Boeing 737 MAX? It's been suspended, but they've got huge numbers of people who've been involved in production lines and putting those together. Can they effectively rebrand and retweak some of what they've already done and, and, and bring it out as a, as a plane of a different name without causing too much suspicion? I'm not even so sure they need to rename it. Uh, you know, you could just maintain an honest, well, we made a mistake with this one particular system, but the jet itself is time-tested and quite safe. 
And, you know, you look, it's almost paradoxical. You look at the mistakes made with MCAS. There are three of them in particular that stand out. If you correct those mistakes, it's, it's, it's very easy to get a road back to safety. And it's merely the certification and oversight process on the way there that appears to be causing, well, uh, a much longer than expected time frame. But I don't really have any doubt that this plane will be back and it will be as safe as every other 737 and all the competing uh, jetliners out there. Financially, can can a company assuredly cope with, with the huge blow of of the losses associated with grounding of the uh, 737 MAX? Well, you know, this is another barrier to entry. Um, companies need very deep pockets in order to maintain their presence in this industry. Um, and we're talking many billions of dollars. You know, uh, last year the company Boeing made $10 billion in profit alone. So even though this is likely to cost them somewhere between 50 and $20 billion, in losses uh, scaled over time or spread over time, that's not that big a deal for them. Of course, anyone trying to start out in this business that experienced a disaster like this, that would be the end of their uh, their status as a jet maker. Um, having said that, you know, Boeing, perhaps one of their, uh, their less attractive features as a company has been their insistence upon returning a high level of uh, cash to shareholders. And they've suspended their... Um, share buyback program, but they're persisting with dividends. So, for example, over the last uh, year or so, they've taken out $10 billion in additional debt. $6 billion has gone straight back uh, to shareholders in the form of returns. The question of whether they've fallen into complacency, in addition to wanting to provide shareholders with these huge returns. Is that a fair criticism? It's a very natural criticism to make, the idea that there's not so much competition, so they would rest on their laurels. But but is that the sense that you actually get within the industry? Yeah, I think there's a degree of frustration because, you know, frankly, for about two decades now, there's been a kind of a disconnect between management, which has been emphasizing the financial side of the company, sales, marketing, accounting, whatever else, and its roots, which, of course, are engineering, creating complex industrial products and building them. And it still has some world-class engineering, some great products, but the line of communication between management uh, and that engineering seems to become badly frayed in some places, and that no doubt played a contributing role to the problems we saw with the development of uh, the 737 MAX. So it would be good to see some change there. And um, the appointment of David Calhoun, the new CEO, is is a frankly, while welcome on some level, uh, also a cause for concern, because even though he'll play a good role in stabilizing confidence in the company, he doesn't have a background in engineering. It's It's more on finance and accounting. So basically exactly the same skill set that Boeing executives have brought to the table for the past couple of decades, when what they really need is a return to their roots as an engineering company. Yeah, speaking of the departure of Dennis Muhlenberg, um, some of the analysis that's out there right now that perhaps you'd like to build on is that this was an inevitable departure, but that the timing was unexpected. Here we are just before Christmas, after so many months of criticism, and and to get to this point now, what what do you make of that suggestion? Yeah, I think that's quite accurate. You know, I mean, a lot of people thought perhaps they could wait until the plane was recertified and then make a leadership change. Um, 
you know, but on the other hand, you know, there was also an expectation that they didn't want to introduce an additional level of instability in the process, and that uh, if nothing else, he'd done a decent job of keeping the share price high, relative to, of course, the factors that might drive it down. Um, but there had been a series of changes in the past couple of weeks. Probably the most important one was a, uh, a fairly scathing criticism by the head of the FAA that made it clear that things were escalating uh, in a negative way and that it would probably be best if he went. Uh, so the timing directly before Christmas was, you know, came, came as a bit of surprise to people. But I think it was increasingly looking like inevitable and sooner rather than later. A final question from a general consumer perspective. It's interesting to note that South Korean Airliners had been planning to purchase 14 737 MAXs between April and December of this year. Does it matter that, that these crashes involved Ethiopian and Indonesian airlines? Is there something that certain countries will have to do to um, reinforce confidence from consumers as well as Boeing uh, in terms of the manufacturer? This is a hugely important issue. Um, you know, there has been concerns about the training of the pilots as well as the onboard MCAS system and what role each played. If you read the Indonesian crash report, it comes in and says that despite the MCAS system, if it weren't for mistakes made by the crew, that crash wouldn't have happened. So the reality is there there probably need to be changes in uh, in crew procedure, particularly for low-cost carriers in emerging markets. I don't think that applies to Korea. Um, It does, however, suggest that more training might be necessary, not just for this jet, but with others, to make the system safe. Um, Certainly, if you read that Indonesian investigation report, that's, that's one conclusion that certainly comes out of it. But having said that, there's no doubt that this MCAS system played a very big role in this crash. And hopefully, uh, when it is changed, this will be a safe product as a result. But this experience has been very negative. Thank you very much for giving us a full sense of uh, hopefully how the airline industry can restore our sense that when we get on planes, we feel safe and able to relax rather than wondering whether the plane is going to run into any difficulties. Richard Abulafia, Vice President and Aerospace Analyst with Teal Group.